Hello, this is uh, Dana Kidder from Redemption Medi Meditations. Is that what it is? Redemption Meditations. I almost said Redemption Medications. That's a different podcast. We're going to put a pill uh, emoji in the uh, <laughs> in the title of the episode now. How about a how about a like a, a syringe? <laughs> <There you Yeah. laughs> no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, so uh, we're back talking about um, uh, really talking about theology from from Redemption Bible Church, Belfont, Ohio. Some of the things that we have um, talked through. We've been getting good feedback from people. Um, personal conversations. People have have uh, said that they've enjoyed <laughs> listening in an hour conversation. So that's kind of <laughs> cool. Um, <laughs> so I'm here with Lee and Steve as usual, and we want to so. talk about. So we just finished. Um, working through in our regular sermons we just finished working through the book of leviticus uh last week i, I finished the the final sermon in leviticus and um leviticus is one of those books that is incredibly daunting um it's daunting to preach through but it's even just to read is really hard um it's it's repetitive it's um there's some really awkward things in it um and some kind of like really out there, um, sort of like not a part of modern everyday life type of laws for the people of Israel. Um, and so as a result, often the book is like skipped over, right? We, we don't pay much attention to it um, or we pull out like uh, opponents to Christianity. We'll sometimes pull out random laws and say, well, are you obeying this? And um so we thought we'd have a discussion about how we use the law as Christians uh, in living in a modern society in a not Jewish context. Mostly, most the most of us are Gentiles who have been saved by by uh, God's grace. And so I'm going to start with this question um, for the other guys to pitch in. Um, we sometimes talk about three, like a threefold division of the law that. Some of the law is applicable and some of it is not. Some of it is specifically applicable to national Israel, some to sort of the religious aspect. And then and then some of it we still say we do have to abide by. So um, would you guys kind of tease that out? How do we divide up the law? What are what do they call those three divisions? Um, yeah, just go from there. OK, um, <clears throat> so. When we think about the Levitical law or the Mosaic law, we should be looking at it in, in three divisions or three different parts of the law. So one would be the ceremonial law. So all of the sacrificial system, um, all the things that makes a person clean and unclean, and they got to go uh, outside the camp, or they got to go do this, or they have to uh, ritually cleanse themselves. All that stuff is a part of the ceremonial law, which is going to—I'm sure Leo get dive deeper into this. But it, it, the the short gist of this is, this was all in order to point God's people to Christ. And we can look at you know he, Hebrews again. I think we talked about Hebrews does a good job of connecting that to Jesus. So that's one. Uh, another one is actual civil laws for the ancient nation state of Israel, which I think is probably important to put out, point out uh, today and almost, uh, you know, October 2023, not the same thing as the current nation state of Israel. So that's where you get things like, if this guy does this, take him out to the hill and stone him. You know, it's, right. it's like a criminal code. Like we have in, we're in Ohio, so there's the Ohio Revised Code. If you do a murder, here's the penalty. It's that kind of thing. And then the last thing is going to be the, the moral law. So these are things that are a, a, an offense or an abomination to who God is and what God would have for all people. And and that is the, the, the one that is timeless. It, it, yeah. it doesn't go away. So uh, and I, I'm glad we're talking about this because there's lots of, there's lots of, uh, scenes in media and TV shows and movies where inevitably you have the bright articulate 
uh, likable, attractive person with a great sense of humor and is a snappy dresser. And oh, by the way, has memorized every word of the Bible and <laughs> hates it <laughs> and, and blows some poor, unlikable scoundrel up who is the Christian because they quote something and then drop the mic and roll credits. And that's powerful. I mean, the reason why we see that depicted so often is because that is powerful. I mean, it looks like, oh, we got nuked here. You know, yeah. uh, somebody is accusing us of picking and choosing. And our knee-jerk response might be to say, well, we're not picking and choosing. Yes, we are picking and choosing. We are absolutely <laughs> picking and choosing. But we have a very good reason if we read the Bible, the whole Council of Scripture, it's it's pretty clear reasons why we do pick and choose. There is the, those distinctions really are in there. We're not just reading it in there because we like some stuff and we don't like others. So that's a sort of very brief kind of overview. I'll 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 let Lee kind of dig deeper on that, but quick gist. Yeah, yeah a big a big reason for the the threefold division of the law is because we're covenant theologians as well um, because a covenant aspect um, plays a huge part in that division uh, especially looking toward uh, the fulfillment in Christ so uh, like Steve said we have the the ceremonial laws uh, we have the civil laws and then we have moral law um, every covenant comes with what are called positive laws that are associated with it. And so positive laws are intended by God uh, to be followed by the people who are under that covenant, um, and those laws last for as long as that covenant lasts. So when the covenant is fulfilled, those particular laws that are associated with it, that are positive laws, um, go go along with it and, and are fulfilled and no longer binding. Um, now that is different than the category of moral law, which God speaks and intends to stand forever because those laws uniquely mirror and uh, describe for us uh, the perfections of God and of, of his nature, his holiness and his justice. Um, and so of course in the in the reformed tradition we would find that the moral law is summarized in the Ten Commandments. Um, that's why the Ten Commandments are a big deal. Um, yeah. It's because it's it's the easiest, one of the easiest expositions of God's moral law for us to teach and understand. Um, and obviously you have the, the, the first and second greatest commandment, you know, the lo love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, which is, again, a summary of the law. Um, but uh, but moral law stands that way. And so the ceremonial laws and uh, the civil laws are in that category of positive law in that God has posited them uh spoken them for that particular uh that particular covenant and so they were pointing toward christ's priestly as well as kingly office uh they governed old testament israel for a while especially in regards to temple worship and um in the kingship of israel well those have obviously passed away both in a temporal sense uh but also in the spiritual sense where sense wherein christ is our great high priest and our king uh, so those those laws stand as far as informing us uh, about uh, about God, about his nature, about what he intends. They help us see Christ better. Um, but no, the whole idea of uh, the mixing of fabrics and, and eating shellfish, which I know uh, on West Wing, President Bartlett really thought was the the checkmate. Gotcha. Uh, but 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 that fake president was wrong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I'll leave that for now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, okay. So that's that's actually the argument that uh, people like to pull out. You know, maybe maybe it's not shellfish. Maybe it's um, t-shirts made of blended cotton, whatever. Um, they like to pull those things out. So let, let's talk about that for just a second because I really want to talk about how we use the law today. So this kind of gets at that, but um those kind of ceremonial things um so not even you know not uh the dietary restrictions not just shellfish there's a lot of things like mm -hmm. pork especially right so there's there's a lot of things um the 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 dietary restrictions the um the the dress restrictions the um 
the how you glean your field type of just um, restrictions. Yeah. Why were those given to Israel? Um, at, 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 like, why are they ceremonial? When I think of ceremonial, um, I think of like worship, right? So going into worship. So can you guys explain why are those things a ceremonial law for Israel? Um, well, so, so there's a couple things going on there. One with the ceremonial law is worship. It is, it is. So, so one of the things people sometimes say is that the law is like a, a mirror held up to us so we can see our, our horrific state, right? <laughs> that, so, so there's this really elaborate system of sacrifices and being clean and unclean and those sorts of things. And part of the use of that system is for people to get to the point where they realize we're just never going to be able to hold up our end of the deal like we should. It, it's what Jesus would call uh, poor in spirit, or we might even say bankrupt in spirit. Like, I just can't, like, if this rely, if this needs me to hold up my end, it's hopeless. Like, I'm going to need somebody to hold up my end and God's end, which is great because Jesus is coming from the perspective of when this was in effect, right? right. So it's to yeah. bring us to that point. So you have that on the one hand. And then part of this is, you know, Abram at the time was nobody special necessarily. He was just a, a sinner like everybody else. And from him, God is going to make a unique people who are different from every other people group around the world. He, he wants them distinct. He wants them set apart. You know, we talked a couple podcasts ago about, well, what are Christians supposed to do with uh, Halloween? And there's mm -hmm. a lot of different places we could land. But one thing that is still true today is Christians are supposed to look different in some mm -hmm. way, somehow. And, and that may be different for different households. But yeah. There, there's something very true about like we're supposed to be kind of weird like they just don't do yeah. everything like that we do <laughs> they don't do it how we do it they, they're unique and that's what god is trying to get out of these people who weren't unique up until he intervened he's saying no 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 you are going to be different from everybody all around the world and here are some like really concrete things that are going to make you unmistakably my people. Yeah. Yeah. The peculiarity of Old Testament Israel really can't be understated because these, these positive laws really did craft and put safeguards around this particular group. Um, and it really is for the purpose of developing that lineage in history uh, of the Messiah. So those genealogies in Matthew and Luke are incredibly important. Uh, and when we read, we tend to skip genealogies a lot because they really aren't compelling uh, reading material, uh, but they're in incredibly important. And a big function of the dietary restrictions, the clothing restrictions, um, the Sabbath restrictions – uh, that are peculiar to Old Testament Israel were all things that made them stand out like a sore thumb uh, among the nations around them. Because what would be the one thing that the enemy would want to do would be to prevent the Messiah from coming, if that were even possible. And so uh, in a way to either destroy the nation of Israel, perhaps even destroy the human race, um, if if that was even possible. Uh, and we could get into some unhinged theories there that I'd love to talk about. But anyway... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, it is, it's fascinating to see God's providence working out through these laws to keep the nation of Israel intact so that the Messiah could be born out of the particular lineage and tribe that he was born into, um, for those specific purposes of fulfilling prophecy and those kinds of things to make it apparent he's the one. So you have, um, uh, in in the book of Acts, um, Peter has his dream right about the about the the various animals and um, and and the Lord tells him you know kill and eat right mm -hmm. and he says no 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 I wouldn't I wouldn't eat anything unclean and he says 
uh, the Lord says to him in this in this vision or this dream, whichever it was, he says, you know, don't call anything that I've made unclean. And so there's a there seems to be a transition there um, yeah. where those ceremonial laws are done away with. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's where that transition kind the, of takes place? At least the, uh, the, the $10 theological word for that is abrogated. Oh, yeah, where, yeah, there you go. <laughs> where they are completed in Christ and there's nothing called unclean anymore. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Yeah. Um, th those particular things are, are fulfilled, are abrogated in Christ. And, uh, and God, and, and so this is where like the evils of like process theology sometimes come in where they'll say, well, mm -hmm. God changed his mind. Uh, God saw all these people wanted to follow him. So he changed his mind. No, no, no. God had, he intended this from the very beginning and through redemptive history, through a succession of covenants, through a succession of per, of particular positive laws that are associated with those covenants, God was telling a redemptive story in human history, though he's outside of human history. And that's just one one part of it. So when Jesus says, you know, I tell you, not a not an not a um, an iota not a jot, not a tittle, however it's worded, of the law will pass away. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's what he's referring to. It's been mm -hmm. fulfilled. Mm -hmm. It's not just like, I think yeah. I may have even said done away with it, but right. it's not just simply wiped off the books. It's actually yeah. fulfilled. Yeah, um, that's why we're not, we don't cut that text out of the Bible because Jesus fulfilled it because it still has value for us to learn and know, even if we're not, you know, supposed to follow it by the letter of the law. But the spirit of those of those laws do teach us something. Yeah, I think that's a really important distinction to highlight is that we're not saying uh, we're we're casting aside these things from the Old Testament. That's, they were fulfilled, not discarded. Mm. So in in the person of, of the man, God, Jesus Christ, these things were fulfilled. Mm -hmm. And those of us who aren't you know, ethnic Jews were grafted in. And so now we can, you know, we can, we can sing father Abraham had many sons and I am one of them. And so are you, you know, like that's, we, a, that's we, a Sunday school banger in. right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We, we, we're grafted in to God's unique people. Yeah. So that some of these things in the law have been fulfilled, you know, one sacrifice once for all delivered to the saints done and the covenant promises are for those of us who aren't you know ethnic jews I, we, we we're and, and you see that all the way back then that through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed well that doesn't make sense if we're going to have these separate people and everybody else are dogs yeah yeah, well, yeah. Well, which God way is two it? peoples right yeah you know, and we so, just heard it on Sunday, uh, you know, we from from Romans three, we uphold the law. Um, we're not doing away with the law, uh, even in the uh, I like to quote from the Baptist catechism. I've been trying to read it a little bit here and there. It very plainly the says Baptist catechism, the Baptist say? catechism. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> one of the good questions. Yeah, <laughs> I'm 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 showing my cards here. Uh, question it. 49 says what doth the preface to the ten commandments teach us uh i'm the lord your god you know right so the preface to the ten commandments teacheth us that god is the lord and our god is our god and redeemer therefore we are bound to keep all of his commandments and so we need to understand what all of his commandments actually are yeah uh, for if we're bound to keep them we need to know which commandments stand for for those of us in the new covenant and which only stood for people under the mosaic covenant for example or the davidic covenant or whatever so it's interesting um we, we you know we spent some time now on the ceremonial law i, I think a lot of the 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 threefold division of the law the ceremonial the civil uh so israel's civil law and the moral law there's often overlap mm -hmm. right so i'm thinking like of um uh, for example, specific tithe laws. Um, so when we think of tithe, we think of a tenth. That's what it means. But they were actually temple taxes, mm -hmm. right? So they were they were for the nation of Israel to support the their uh, really. So 
as it was set up in Leviticus, they were to be God's people. He was to be their God. Um, uh, and so they would have um, a mediator through the, through the priesthood, specifically the, the chief priest. Um, Moses was their mediator during the, the time of the giving of the law. And so they were following Moses. He set up Joshua. They followed Joshua. Um, and so they had, they didn't have a king. Uh, God was their king. Um, but, but they had a leader. And so they had laws that, and they needed to support the, the priests and the temple work that was being done. They were to do that. Um, so it was a civil law. There was also a ceremonial aspect to it in that it was the priests who were to be supported so that mm -hmm. they could, you know, be about the sacrifices and that. Um, it, but it was also, uh, there's also a moral aspect, right? To the, to the, to giving, to support the work of the ministry. Paul talks about that in, in second Corinthians eight and nine um, and other places in the new Testament as well, that it was a, there's a moral aspect. So, so how do we take law and determine we're under this and not under that? Right. Like, so we've kind of said like the shellfish laws or the, 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 um, the, any of the dietary laws, like those, the, that one actually is very clear because God says in acts, um, you know, God tells Peter, don't call what I've made unclean, eat, eat whatever. Um, so that example is clear, but how do we know when, when, like which laws we should apply to ourselves or, or to the church? I have stumped them, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's it's how to it's how to say it. Well, here's the here's part of the problem. The the jury <laughs> is still out on that to a certain degree. Okay. So um if you're a theonomist, for example, you would just say essentially it's all moral, it's all binding in some way or another. Um yeah. which is an easy thing to say for sure. Um but I don't but I don't think that's uh that's actually the case. Um some of it you right. have to. I think we need. We should rely on, um, on works within a, in the reformed tradition that have spoken particularly about this. Um, it's a work of systematic theology showing what uh, what particular laws have ties to particular covenants that have been fulfilled in Christ and aren't necessarily tied to the new covenant. Um, but there's another aspect as well that uh, hopefully this answers your question, but. We talk about the threefold division of the law, so moral, civil, um, and uh, and ceremonial, but there are three uses of the law as well. Oh. Um, and some of these uh, will inform how we um, how we adopt aspects of the law into into practice. So um, they're the the civil use, uh, wherein um, the civil government uh, will actually um, is responsible to. Uh, to follow certain aspects of of the law, you know, this is laws against murder, laws against theft, laws against, um, you know, polygamy or or things like that. Things that would violate the Ten Commandments that the civil authority has has the right to uh, to enforce. Um, but there's also a pedagogical use, meaning for teaching, especially for showing people their sin and showing them Christ. Um, and then there's also the normative use. And the normative use would be using the law uh, for for people who are Christians um, who know that we're not saved by works, we're not saved under the law, but adopting the law in a way that that is a norm on our actual conduct day to day. So being consistent with the Word of God, be, knowing that all of the all of God's law, moral, civil, ceremonial, points to the perfection of God's nature. Um, and if we're being conformed to the image of Christ, we can use all of this, all of this material, whether it's specifically gospel related or law related. Uh, you know, we, we kind of have a division between law and gospel that way uh, in, in, in Christian ministry. Um, and those things can help us inform our um, how we work with each other, how we live our lives. So even though we're not necessarily following the the letter of those laws, we're finding um, what in the law uh, we are being conformed to as we're conformed to the image of Christ, who obeys the law perfectly, uh, who gave us the law uh, as God. Um, 
and uh, and obeyed the law perfectly in his earthly ministry too. So I don't know if that's, you know, if that's covering all of your all of your question, uh, uh, but I'm trying my best to answer it in a uh, in a tactful, in a tactful <laughs> and, and up, uplifting way. You could have just said that was a terrible question. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the next question. <laughs> I think I think it is useful for uh, believers who want to pursue holiness. Right. So if you think of uh, man left to his own devices is going to do whatever feels natural and normal and it just feels right. And usually whatever those things are, are terrible, you know, (laughs) are evil. And so we, we need some understanding of what Christ likeness looks like. So if we Mm -hmm. if you if you think of like a, a little boy, three, four, five years old, usually wants to be whatever dad is. If dad's a, a preacher, he wants to be a preacher. If he's a doctor, he wants to be a doctor. If he's a farmer, he wants to be a I'm a farmer too. Well, what does that mean, little boy? Well, it means we do this and we do this and we do this. So one of the uses of the law are, is that I want to be like Christ. What does that look like? Well, I don't take multiple wives. I don't murder the guy who took my parking space. I don't, you know, whatever it is, Right. Like and we laugh at that because, well, of course, well, it's not so obvious. There's lots of that going on. People do that sort of thing all the time. Like we we can think, well, why would you want to do that? People are out there doing stuff that feels natural and normal and right and justifying it because this feels natural to me. And they need to understand what Christ likeness looks like. And that's the blessing of the law. So we can, we have a picture of it. We weren't left to wander around in the dark all the while uh, offending a holy God. That's a blessing, actually. Yeah. Um, Okay. So uh, when we talk about God's moral law, so I kind of was pulling all of them together there in the example of tithing. But when we talk about God's moral law, there are things that are, um, clearly and you you guys have kind of mentioned some of them right adultery um fornication you know there there are certain laws or so i listed two activities that are outlawed there there are certain laws that are very clearly addressing a morality god's moral law mm-hmm. um so when we talk about god's moral law we talk about the 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 ways that we use god's law um I found a, um, I don't even know, remember where I found this and, but I, uh, somebody had given me or I read an article or something um, that one of the ways in which God's, we use God's law and, and maybe you've kind of hit at this, but it, it condemns sinners who are outside of Christ, right? So the law reveals that we are sinners. Right. So isn't this, maybe you can, riff on this a little bit but isn't this what jesus was doing in the um in matthew 5 7 the sermon on the mount right isn't that what he was doing he was saying um you've heard it said you shall not commit adultery but i tell you it's it's internal Mm -hmm. right so how do we understand how are we as christians to understand those things how are we to apply that well, for what one way is to understand that sin is never born. Let me back up. The first sin was not the first bite of the apple in the garden, right? So it's always born in the heart, right? Before somebody steals something, they covet it. Before somebody murders someone, they are anger, angry with them, right? right? Like so, it's always internal. And so one of the things Jesus is saying is you have all these rules and those are consistent with God's law, but it's worse than that. You you guys don't know the half of it. Mm -hmm. Like you're in trouble before you even did anything. Like he's, he's trying to illustrate God's holiness. And in a lot of ways, he's trying to bring them to that state of personal bankruptcy, right? Like I can't do this on my own. Like, I mean, I thought I was in trouble when he said, don't, commit adultery now he's saying if i just like look 
Oh yeah. my goodness. Like <laughs> I'm in all kinds of trouble now. You know, that is that, you know, he's trying to communicate. Uh, God is holy, holy, holy. And you are a failure <laughs> at being holy. Yeah. And so you need a savior. So that that is one of the uses of the law is to get us to be that poor in spirit, broken. You know, I give up hope in myself. So when we look at those passages like that, like Matthew, uh, so let me just read an example from Matthew 5. Um, uh, Matthew 5, 38 says, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile with him, um, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So when you read it in that light, that's the law. Jesus is giving them the law in these verses, right? So, so in all of like the Sermon on the Mount, he's giving them the law. He's not giving them the gospel. I guess that's right. what, I, what we're getting right. at, right? Yeah. So, but we all agree, I think, that there's an application for us in all of this, right? So no. what no. we're saying is, I think. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, excuse me yeah please good <laughs> you have got a mighty nice Go tunic ahead. today lee um maybe maybe you should give that to someone um so so i think what we're what we're saying in in, in all of this is that um the law is a bus so the first so so the first use of the law um it condemns sinners who are outside of Christ. So what that is doing is saying, if you're, um, if you've broken this, he's giving examples. If you've broken this law, even in your heart, mm -hmm. you're a sinner in need of a savior or you're right. a sinner and you stand condemned. John, uh, John chapter three, verses 17 and 18, you're condemned. Verse 18, you're condemned yep. already. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so the first way that we use that God's law is is used is to condemn sinners. Um, and I think Lee, you said earlier that another way that God's law is used is um, um, for like uh, I can't, can't remember exactly what you said, but like civil ethics, right? Like mm -hmm. the civil, yeah. how we should live in a society. We're living in a yeah. society. Right? We're living in how a we society. Live in, <laughs> how we should live in a society. So that's where. Um, some of the laws, like, for example, you know, you shall not murder mm -hmm. becomes the law of the land that yep. helps us to live in a society. Yep. And also other laws, like even laws about um, uh, lying, mm -hmm. it's something that might not be against yeah. the law of the land, but helps us live ethically yeah. uh, upright right. lives in a society. Right. So is that right. right to say it that way? Yep. Yeah. Um, so there so there are laws that are that are more like that, uh, moral laws that are more like that. And then um, uh, so the adultery might be a good example of that. It's not mm -hmm. illegal in our society. It is in some and it has mm -hmm. been in, in throughout history. But currently it's not as far as I know, it's not really illegal. Um, uh, it, yet it is wrong. And it is sinful, and it is uh, so. So it also those who commit adultery um, are condemned, but but condemned even before they committed it because mm -hmm. they were you know in their head, as Jesus said. So they're condemned. Yeah. Um, so they need Christ, but also it, it is bad for society if if this is continuing to happen in society, right? Mm -hmm. Bad for a, a well ordered society. Okay, so. For Christians, for for Christians who have trusted in Christ, then this gets to that third use of the law, right? So then, how should we read the laws for us? Maybe I'm kind of summarizing where we've already kind of been, but how should we as Christians read and apply the laws to us? What would you guys say? Steve, go well, ahead. 
Okay. So one of the things I would say is one of the uh, missions of uh, of Christians is to make a lifelong war on their own sin. So at one point we were enslaved to it. You were captured by it and your situation was hopeless. You might even say you were dead, but God made us alive. It didn't uh, free us from sin in the sense that we're untouched by it anymore. That's coming later. But we were at least empowered enough that you were going to be able to make war on and put your sin to death and have the hope that that's going to work. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a big change from where you were previously. So if as a Christian, I'm supposed to be killing my sin and 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 making war on my sin and extinguishing this from my uh, from my heart and from my life then I need to know what the sin is. And and again, some of this is really intuitive, right? Like don't yeah. murder someone, right? But not all of it. I mean, there's other things in there. As we read through the Bible, we can see things like the Sermon on the Mount. Well, it's even before you even say anything, you know? It's mm-hmm. not, it's it's having anger towards someone. Like those, I'm supposed to put that sin to, to death also. So yeah. it it's helpful to a Christian to understand here are the things that are still in my flesh that aren't Christ-like and I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be Christ-like. So I need to work on this and, and, and the various different ways of going ab- about making that war. Is it John, John Piper, right? He says, make war on your sin. Not, and uh, that's very true. I mean, that's what mm-hmm. we should be about the business of that. And we should be, uh, John Piper says it in a really John Piper like way. And I'm not, I'm no John Piper, but like in a, in a, a vicious militant, I'm going to make war on my, and he's, he does point out, and this is important, my own sin, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have to be on a campaign to do, uh, Steve does not de- necessarily have to make a lifelong project of dealing with Lee's sin, that's a bad right. idea. That leads to bad places, right? My right. sin isn't plenty to keep me busy. So that's a important use of the law in sort of being refined. Yeah. So 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 the the this way the the law refines sinners, making them like Christ. Yeah. Well, it should. But, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, if yeah. we're using it properly, right. And we and we need the law, you know, so not for not for redemption. You know, we're not we don't believe in works righteousness. That's not that's not a biblical concept. Even Old Testament Israel wasn't saved by keeping the law. They were saved like us. They were saved by grace through faith. And that was mediated through the sacrificial system, mediated through lots of these things as they looked forward to a, a final um, a final um completion of of the law so yeah, that, so that, uh, abraham believed god and it was credited to him as righteousness that right that's repeated throughout and that was before the Constantly. law before the mosaic law was even given yep. yeah exactly we always so we've always been saved by faith but we need the law um not only as steve said to to point out our sin uh to help us deal with our own sin uh and a big part of that too is you know, you know, we say all have sinned and fa- have fallen short of the glory of God. One of the best ways to see how far short we've fallen is by studying the law, um, because when we see this exposition of God's nature in the law, we see how short we come uh, come from it, and that humility um, is very helpful in our sanctification. Uh, we may uh, discover sins that we're guilty of that that we might not even have recognized in ourselves before you know the law will sometimes open our eyes to the the darker depths of our hearts um that god reveals to us in his providence uh and helps our repentance that way um we can repent of these things and the law has will help us see that um but the law will also point us to christ as well so we should never look into the law see our own sin and despair of our own lives because you know christ has 
died for for us. If if we're believers and we've repented and believed in him, we know that his blood covers us and can't be washed away. You know, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So so when we see the law, when we see in the law something that we are guilty of, a way that we fall short, then we're sent directly to the throne of grace to repent, uh, to praise him for for his holiness and his righteousness and to please not only forgive us our sins, but continue as he has done to conform us to the image of Christ even more uh, than now. Uh, and, and we know that that's a process that's never going to be completed in this life. It will only be completed in glory. We're not sinless perfectionists where we will arrive at some point in our earthly lives and never sin again. Um, we're very sneaky sinners and, uh, and sometimes, you know, especially if we've been been Christians for a long time, we may not sin as openly as we might have before. Um, but those internal sins, that internal struggle, uh, again, Steve, that you mentioned earlier, is still there. The old man is still uh, wriggling around in there, and uh, and needs to be killed. So that's that killing is a progressive process over our lives. Uh, again, one. The most succinct John Owen quote, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Um, yeah. The law helps us do that. And we yeah. need both the law and the gospel as we continue our uh, our Christian life. And you've got to have bad news to to value and understand the good news as well. So, and, and one of the things you just said a minute ago is, is that we, even as we get older or more mature in Christ, as we're Christians for longer, um, we might not sin as openly. I, I would say that that's true. And and um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we just hide our sin and do it like right. behind closed doors, but that we we might not sin as knowingly as we did. Mm -hmm. Right. We might. But but those attitudes are still there that you don't even know that yeah. you've sinned. You don't even know you have that attitude until somebody points it out and, then you know, or 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 yeah. the Lord points it out, the Holy Spirit working. Um, yeah. And, and that sin of pride only gets. Uh, more and more enticing the longer you're a Christian as well. <laughs> that's oh, yeah. that's one yeah. that you really have to fight against. Yeah, and I, and, and so that's where that's where that study of God's law comes in because it points out the, that those sins that we don't even notice. Like that's what that's what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter seven, leading up to that Romans eight one. There is therefore now no condemnation. He finds his. Um, his relief in that statement, because I keep doing these sins that I don't want to do. The law is still working, showing me these sins in my heart and in my, in my, yeah. you know, it's like working against my flesh. And um, I keep doing these sins, but thanks be to God that I have a savior and there is therefore no, no condemnation. So the law is no longer condemning me for my sin because I'm in Christ instead it is conforming me to the image of christ mm -hmm. right so so the, the you you go from depending on how you number the uses of the law you kind of go from the um the 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 law being a uh, i guess like i've heard it called a, like a mirror i think even steve said mm -hmm. this earlier a mirror showing us our sins showing us our need for a savior it moves from that to more like a, a sign or a guide showing us how to live Right. Like right. Christ. Right. Um, so yeah, so somebody, think, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to, you know, to continue on that thought that I think it's, it's useful to recognize that even Paul, even, you know, he, he, I went to the third level. Of I don't even know what the third level of heaven is. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. I'm right there with you, Peter. I don't know. Like the, the shadow of his handkerchief is healing people. And apparently, you know, demons are going, oh no, Paul's awake. Here we go. You know, even he is like, there's stuff I know I should not be doing. And I keep doing it. You know, mm -hmm. that like, so it, it, we, we what what is very typical is there's really obvious overt sin and then someone does come to repentance and faith and lord you know by by god's grace they put some of those things to death and like i think dana said but they're doing some other sin and they don't even know is sin sin yet right. you know and as they become yeah. more more and more conformed to the image of god they're going to realize oh this didn't even occur to me that mm -hmm. yeah this is a problem and i think 
you know, Lee, you brought up a good point. You start to put some of those sense of death and you're like, all right, I'm pretty hot stuff good, now, man. right? Like, do you see what that guy's doing over there? <laughs> I don't do that anymore, you know? <laughs> and so pride is always cr crouching at their door. Always. It's never going away. It's just waiting to pounce all the time. So I, I think that, you know, having the law is an important fuel to the refining fire, the thing that's going to chisel away at us and conform us more and more to the image of God. And if you didn't have that, you know, you put a couple things to death that are really like glaring, obvious that people can see. And then you just kind of go, all right, I'm good. Yeah. You know, I love yeah. me now. I love the new <laughs> me. You know, all these I have kept from my youth. That's yeah. right. At least I'm not like that sinner over there. You know? yeah, I was going to say, all of a sudden, where, you're, you're the Pharisee praying to be in the public square. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if this will be incredibly helpful or not, but so I do. It's, I, I like to think since the world likes to harp on particular intricacies of, of Old Testament law to use against like, well, don't you believe blah, blah, blah. And one thing I've thought about, especially when it came, for example, uh, the mixing of the fabrics law. So mm -hmm. I think part of this is also understanding what was intended there and what sort of enduring um, uh, application you could get from it, even if it's not don't wear blended fabrics. Big thing for a lot of those laws to just go back to this briefly is they were in themselves a bit symbolic of not of Israel, not mixing with the other people around them and becoming right. something other. Um, and I think a big a big part of that and something that's especially poignant for our times, don't mix truth and lies. Um, the truth must be the truth. The lie must be the lie. Never call evil good and good evil. Don't try to mix them together and syncretize you know so syncretism is mixing the true worship of god with something else um yeah. and that was a problem in israel's time they didn't understand it that's certainly been a problem in our times as well um so even though you know that's not a a one-to-one -one adoption but i think there is something to understanding the spirit of even those laws that are abrogated in christ knowing what god was intending to say not only to the original audience but something in there that that endures to our time as well that's beneath beneath just the simply the text um a mere external you know no mixed fabrics dietary laws which which are focused on something external there is a deeper spiritual truth behind that that endures and that uh, tying in with that that's like the uh um uh, the laws about tattoos, right? So there's a law in Leviticus, chapter 17, I think. There's a law, you know, don't don't get tattoos for the dead. It's not, it's not. So tattoos today don't mean what tattoos meant right. to the ancient world, right? It was all a part of um, their pagan religious, like it was a, it was a, def, um, a desecrate your own body on behalf of the dead type of thing. A sacrament, and, a sacred, yeah, a it was sacrament. a part of their exactly. <laughs> worship. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. And and even like even within like say the last uh, seventy five years or hundred years, even in that case, like it's like tattoos, for example, have taken on a completely different meaning. It was sailors and bikers, you know, and it was a symbol of rebellion. And and now like everybody has a you know you're a yeah, rebel yeah. if you don't have one, and you know it like becomes <laughs> this this whole different thing. And that's the, the spirit of the law, the, the, mm -hmm. the, um, the, the idea behind the law was that they were to be completely different and they were not to, they were not to participate in the pagan practices of the pagans living around them. Not even like, like they were to be weird because they didn't do those things. Mm -hmm. And, and Christians today are to be weird because we are living holy lives, right? right? Like, right. like if you get a flower tattoo on your ankle that that has nothing to do with whether or not you're like a it, it might it might have something yeah. to do with whether or not you are living a godly life and it yeah. might have nothing to do yeah. right it's it's not just a straight line okay the ancients prohibited this so the moderns also like we are also bound by that um 
you, you can all yeah there's a lot of but joining a cult and getting an associated brand you know put into your skin might just fall under that <laughs> exactly I, I yeah. yeah exactly that's the uh there there are some of those out there yeah even today I right was now just listening to an interview yeah there there are that out there where they are branding people as part of their cult and um that's it that's more like the ancient um yeah practices as as um, the return of the old gods uh continues in our paganizing yeah. culture right exactly exactly you know, i think one of the thing one of the ways that god's people today should be weird is to um not be embarrassed by god's moral law yeah you know i <laughs> yeah. like yeah. we we can we, we there are people now who will sort of begrudgingly acknowledge that this is in the bible <laughs> and i know people who love and celebrate and adore this sin and they're really good people and i'm not saying anything bad about them and and we want to be clothed in a winsomeness mm -hmm. and we could use god's word or the law as a cudgel and we don't want to do any of that but we shouldn't be embarrassed right it, it, it you know we should be god's word says this this is a sin i'm not sorry yeah. And if you do that, you're going to be weird, it, yeah. depending on what sins we're talking about. If you do that, like you plant your feet in the ground, square your shoulders and say, do you see this? That's mm -hmm. evil. It's an abomination. Yeah. If you're going to stand out. <laughs> if there, if you You'll stand out even if you just like even if you're hardworking and a member of a local <laughs> congregation and you go to church on Sunday you know, even if you don't get into more minutia than that, you're already weird yeah. in our culture. Like you show up to every shift that you're assigned because God's commanded you to work and you work for God, not necessarily for men. What a weirdo you are, you know? <laughs> right. <clears throat> okay. So, so we can say this, let me kind of pull this together here. Um, the law uh, for those who are not believers the law condemns sinners. So it, it acts like that mirror. It points out the sin and, um, and, and our need for a savior, right? So the law shows us our, our sin and our need for a savior. Um, the law, um, uh, so if I, I, there were these three terms that I heard that kind of described each of the three, and I, I think they're pretty good. They need a little explanation, but there's the mirror, the guide. So that shows that that's kind of the third use of the law shows us Christians how we should then live. Um, and the second one is a curb that it keeps us from sinning. And, and we kind of said that's especially in in um, uh, uh, like civil ethics, like the things that like kind of puts that curb around society to keep us from spinning off into uh, uh, degeneracy and like just utter complete chaos and, and paganism, right? The God's good, like, like our nation as a founded by, um, founded by those who are influenced by Christianity. Um, if we could say it that way, right? Well sure. said, uh, that was carefully sure. worded. So, so our nation, founded by those who are influenced by Christianity, took the laws of Moses, the law of God, and applied it to our society so that our society would not be utter chaos and, um, uh, yeah, just utter chaos, yeah. but actually gives a structure to the society. And so the, so we can all, as Americans say, murder is wrong. We can say stealing is wrong, right? We can say those things and say, you know, um, this is actually from God, a common grace for a, a, a just and orderly society. So a curb, um, keeping our society sort of intact, um, keeping us from sinning, we're pushing against those curbs in our society, as other, many other societies are, and some are way beyond us. Um, we're pushing against that, and that's why we're seeing some of what we're seeing, right? That's why we're seeing riots now over, uh, like, currently, you know, as we record yeah. this, there are riots that are anti-Israel, nation of Israel, like anti-Jewish riots 
that a year ago would be seen as like, like it, it like it just went so quickly from you're an anti-Semite if you say mm-hmm. anything, you know, you're Hitler, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. It, it went from that to usher all the Jews into the sea right. in a in a week. Right. So anyway, yeah. I'm unmoored a different topic, but completely morally and ethically unmoored. Yeah, right. Be- because we've pushed back at that as a society, we pushed back those curbs. Yep. So so and and like the abortion debate, we, we talked about this last week with our political discussion in, in Ohio, the abortion debate all through the country. Um, half of our society, whatever the statistics are, but half of our society doesn't say that it's murder. Right. And the other half of the other half who says it is, we don't even really know why it is. A lot of them don't. That's part of the problem that we're in right now. Whereas we can look at God's word and say, every human being is made in the image of God. And so this is murder, (laughs) right? We can clearly say that. Um, so we have we have curbs that that keeps society um, uh, from spinning into chaos. We have a mirror that shows us our own need for a savior. Shows me my sin and my need for a savior. I have broken God's law. And then once we hear the gospel, so how do we get? Let me just ask that for you guys. We'll maybe finish. With, I don't know. Have no idea how long we've been going, but um, how do we get from the law? to the gospel so how do we've got those first two we need to get to how do we use it for us as christians but we got to be christians first so get us from the law to the gospel somebody okay so let's let's try let's try this so we've we've got the law and a big statement that occurs many times in the old testament is uh be holy as i am holy god says Mm -hmm. um so in that in that one statement we realize Oh no, I'm not holy. Uh, I'm commanded to be holy. I have this law, but I can never keep it. I'm always breaking some part of it. So be holy as Yahweh is holy is too tall of an order for me. I can't attain to it. What am I going to do? So then enter Christ, who is God, takes on flesh, not only lives righteously under the law as a man, dies in the place of sinners who never could obey the law, dies, rises again, and takes his place as great high priest and mediator of the new covenant. Now people are not only forgiven their sins in Christ, Christ removes their sins. He is the expiation for your sin, but also credits his active and passive righteousness to us. Uh, as if we never sinned. So our sin is removed and righteousness is credited to us. Christ's righteousness, not ours. And so on on the basis of him, we can say that we are holy as he is holy because it's literally his holiness that covers us. Uh, and and there is no religion under the sun that gives that the way that, uh, that Christ does in, in Christianity. Mm-hmm. That's why Christianity is the only true religion. Uh, and so yeah. everything else is a, uh, is a, a gross facsimile of different aspects of, of the true religion. Um, and so, so that's simply what I would say. It, the, the law shows us that we are not holy and yet we are commanded to be holy. How is that possible? Because God himself, the second person eternally of the Trinity, uh, took on flesh and became our, our mediator. Uh, of the new covenant, uh, which we enter into by by repentance and, and faith in him. Mm. Covered by his holiness, we then can go on with hearts of flesh uh, when we formerly had hearts of stone and be made more in his image through through uh, through his work, through the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts um, and be sanctified. So that's that that's that idea of the righteousness of God, right? That that be holy as I am holy. Well, how do we attain that? holiness it's through the righteousness of god so that was um romans 1 16 and 17 i, I just in preaching yesterday um I, I i mentioned this so for i'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of god for salvation to everyone who believes so we've used the law as a mirror it has revealed um my sin and my need uh for um 
to be made holy or to, to attain the righteousness of God. I am unrighteous. I'm a sinner. I need the righteousness of God. Um, so it is the gospel. So, so for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, that is in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous or the just shall live by faith. And, and so in the gospel, the gospel is, as you were just explaining, Lee, that Christ died for our sins. So the, the, the law has revealed to me I'm a sinner. The gospel is Christ died for my sin, was buried, was raised again on the third day, according to the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15. Um, so, so the call then of the gospel is believe. Right. It's it's a knowledge. Um, hear the gospel. How they believe without someone preaching. So or how they hear without someone preaching. So it's believe, know the gospel, hear the message of the gospel, um, believe it. And and uh, so so, yes, this is true. Christ died for my sins and then actually trust it. Right. Trust that that message is efficacious for salvation, that it is effective to save me. Um, and, and so therefore, and that phrase, the just shall live by faith. We said this earlier, um, Abraham believed God. And so he put his faith in God, in God's promises that he hadn't even heard yet. He hadn't even heard the law yet, right? He'd only heard bits of the laws. God told him, do this, do this, do this, right? But he hadn't heard Moses isn't even a thought, right? Yes, right. Um, Aaron didn't, I mean, uh, Abraham didn't even have any children yet. And he believed God, and that was credited to him as righteousness. His faith in God and his promises, his faith made him righteous. God made him righteous through right. his faith. Yeah. Just to say it a little more. Which accurately. was itself a gift. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Not of works so that Abraham couldn't boast. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah, what one one more word I would just throw into the to the stew pot here of everything else we've been cooking is <laughs> brokenness, and and the, the the law rightly understood should lead us to a state of brokenness. So you think uh, like I think it's Ezekiel somewhere in the neighbor. I don't remember the exact verse, but somewhere right in the neighborhood of I will take away your heart of stone and give you the heart of flesh. Yeah. God says. You know, you're going to consider it's either yourselves or your sin, and you're going to loathe yourselves. Uh, David in Psalm 51 says, my sin is ever before me. Now, if that was it, that'd be kind of a downer, you know, but there is an appropriate sort of brokenness. And that yeah. and when we are broken, that's an excellent time to then hear uh, is Paul writes to the Corinthians that. He, the, the father made the son who, who was righteous and, and was sinless to be sin. He basically placed our, our sin on his account so mm -hmm. that we could obtain his righteousness. So if we're not starting out in a place of righteousness and we're actually puffed up and feeling pretty good about ourselves and this feels natural to me, so what's the problem? Then the good news doesn't seem that good. So yeah. one of the uses of the law is to kind of, you know, <laughs> blast you a little bit and if it re yeah. realize, get you to realize, oh, no, yeah. this is bad news. Yeah. So then we can give them the good news yeah. of this exchange of sin for righteousness and the hope that is only in uh, the name of Christ. So uh, just wanted to throw that thought in there that brokenness is a part of this journey yeah. we don't rend your there. heart not your garments right like joel right. says rend, rend your yeah. heart not your garments because right. you can have a tailor fix your your ripped garments but only god can put a heart back together yeah are you circumcised of heart yeah, yeah. right are you are you bro a broken and contrite heart i will not turn away that's, yeah. um, that's Ezekiel 36 when he's talking about replacing his heart of stone with a heart of flesh. And, and right, right after that, a couple verses later, um, speaking about what you just were saying, it's verse 31. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves yeah. for your iniquities and your abominations. That's that just loathe yourself, right? That just 
crushed in spirit right. over like that and that with the idea of bringing us to repentance right yep. that's not witness. just to crush us and destroy us right but to bring us to right. repentance yeah yeah right yeah yeah good even though we deserve to be crushed you know god would be completely yeah, right just yeah. to just crush us and move on but no yeah. he went he's gone the extra mile and and actually redeemed a people for his own possession. Yeah. You're, by his mercy only. You can you can get something other than what's fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You don't yeah. want what's <laughs> fair. Good, not there's fair. good news. There's an alternative to just getting a square deal to getting what's fair. <laughs> yeah. That's good yeah. news. Yeah. 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 So I want to point out that uh one last thing, and that is that um we've mentioned a lot of big words here, but I'm gonna pull one of them out that Lee mentioned. I'm gonna call this the the theological urban word of the day is expiation. <laughs> yeah. Expiation. So so the, the image is uh, in the Day of Atonement in Leviticus 16, the sins were confessed over the scapegoat, the goat that is led out into the wilderness never to be seen again, that our sin is completely taken away. That's what expiate, like exit, think exit, take away. Um, uh, that's what expiation is, that our sin has been completely removed. Um, the psalmist says, as far as the east is from the west, it's it's gone, is the point of it. In the depths of the deepest parts of the ocean, it's gone. I just wanted to point that out. The theological urban word of the day. It's good. It's a good word. Yep. So I think, awesome. I think we've covered it. I think we've covered the whole, all of the uses of the law. Awesome. Why don't, Way to go, why don't we end there? This seems like a really short podcast. It's probably been going for an hour and a half. I yeah, have no idea. We're probably an hour or two, but. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, uh, I think that, um, Rabbi Lee needs to take us home with his traditional ironic blessing. Bless yeah. us out, Lee. All right. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. 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 <laughs>